0: Hi, my name is uh, Tyler Kinn, and this is Amy. Introduce yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I am Amy.
0: And, you know, I switched around if anyone's listening, we had decided how we're going to do this. And I went backwards. So um, this is welcome to Project Wasta podcast. Uh, you know, it's clearly very professional and uh, very uh, organized. In how we do these things, as you can tell. Um, so I think uh, we have uh, Amy's going to introduce our special guest today, which I think is uh, you know, going to be a very interesting conversation for our current uh, pandemic moment in uh, in uh, history. Hey
1: everybody. Um, So first off, I hope you're all staying safe and healthy and social distancing. Um, Given the kind of new normal that we're in, we thought we would uh, gear the podcast back up and invite someone who um, is really incredible, Heather Hughes. Um, So Heather has a BA in French uh, from Smith College, an MA in Middle East Studies from the University of Washington, and an MSIS from the University of Texas. She has worked as a researcher in Turkey and as a project archivist at the Hoover Archives. And she's currently the Librarian for Middle East Studies at UCSB. Thanks for joining us, Heather.
2: Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Tyler, for the introduction. Thanks.
1: Um, so Heather, uh, we're really excited to have you on and we're hoping that maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your academic background um, and how you got interested in Middle East studies.
2: Okay. So I, I think it goes back to my childhood a little bit. Um, we actually lived in Saudi Arabia from when I was two to when I was five. Um, mm. My dad was working in a hospital um, uh, outside Jeddah um, as like a administrator, and um, we were living that sweet compound life. Um, <laughs> and um, I. Think I think that's definitely had some kind of um, impression on me, for sure. And then later in life, um, in college, I was an undergraduate in French. Um, that was very strategic on my part. I just kind of wanted to study abroad. Um, but in, during my French degree, um, I was working with an advisor who was focused on Francophone literature, um, So i think that also kind of shifted my focus within french studies and also my um my year in paris was it was 2005 2006 so it was kind of marked by these um by these riots in the suburbs and i just kind of got increasingly interested in studying arabic which i started my um my senior year at smith and um Worked with um, like lovely professor Greg White on my um, on like a research project on North Africa, um, and I then wanted to do an MA in Middle East Studies, and I was living in Seattle, so I wanted to stay there. And um, my big plan was to just kind of work on North Africa, um, but after signing up for for Turkish, really on a whim. Uh, I just got increasingly into that and that was like more the focus of the program there and I really enjoyed working with a Turkish professor there, Selim Kuru, so I have kind of really shifted my focus and caused me to end up like spending a lot of time in Turkey and also living there. So
1: that's kind of my Middle East trajectory.
0: (laughs) Your your credentials?
1: Well, in addition to this really, I mean, just amazing uh, experience that you've had, um, not only, you know, with the languages, but you've you've lived in a lot of these places um, across the Middle East. I'm really interested in, um, you know, how that contributed to a shift toward library science. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: what got you interested about libraries and archives?
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, as I was finishing my MA in Middle East studies, I was trying to figure out what to do with myself. And, um, <laughs> and like, I was not convinced that doing a PhD was going to be um, a good time for me, um, and I was like, "What? What does one do with a Middle East degree? Like, should I move to Washington D.C. and do whatever people do there?" Um, but um, I, something that kind of, I feel like in a way it's kind of coming full circle because I grew up in a small town and libraries were really important to me. I didn't like really fit in in school as I'm. Sure, a lot of um, people listening to this can maybe relate to. So, <laughs> libraries were very important to me. Um, and so, it sort of felt like coming full circle because I also worked in libraries other uh, than like high school. I was a shelver. Um, so, I, one thing that really inspired me too was the fact that the Middle East Studies librarian at University of Washington, Mary St. Germain, she was like coming to our Turkish class and it just kind of got me increasingly thinking like, oh, I could be an academic librarian and I could do stuff with Middle East studies and work in academia, but like not be a professor. Um, So those, and at that point, I don't even think I necessarily really understood what like librarians did, Um, but I was motivated at that point to apply to a library degree and um, the Middle East librarian at at UW was very helpful in my application process and I'm kind of thinking about like this is what a librarian does and this is kind of how my background would feed into um, experience with research, um, helping
0: people, um, and also developing Middle East collections. So. So, So I have a question about that process. So when you So you want to be become a Middle East uh, librarian and you're at that stage and you're going to apply to the sort of a library studies program. Is that is the library studies like type degree? Is that library sciences? Is that degree um, sort of completely independent from your background in Middle East? And so therefore, when you become a Middle East librarian, you can be like, hey, look at this, you know, Middle East studies other degree and look at this library degree, and I can like put them together and now it can be a, or is there some sort of concentration that you can do while you're um, getting the library science degree?
2: Um, yeah, so I think it's an interesting question because like, for example, I think UT offers a dual program where you can do both masters um, together in kind of a more like expedient way So like, I mean, I spent like five years in grad school. So this, if I had done this program, it probably would have been gotten me out quicker, but um, (laughs) I didn't know about that. And I'm very grateful for having both my institutional experiences. But so yeah, there are like kind of dual degree programs that kind of try to combine like maybe area studies or other concentrations that might lend themselves well um, to library archives work. Um, I also feel like um, libraries and archives curriculum are kind of really changing. So um, like I took classes on digital humanities, and libraries and archives, but there wasn't really that many of these, like, kind of traditional, um, traditional like, library-based classes because there's all these changes towards, like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, user experience, and now it's probably more data-oriented, so I kind of, but I was fortunate to be in a cohort with two other people who, like, shared the same interests, and we kind of tried to support each other and, like, focus on Middle East um, related issues where we could in
1: our, in our studies. That's awesome. Um, so Heather, uh, you mentioned just now that, you know, you also have a background in digital communities, um, and you, uh, co-publish a wonderful resource, um, known as the Hazine blog. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, I was hoping that maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that platform and how you got involved and, and Also, how students and faculty can use it as a resource, yeah,
2: sure. So, um, I um, I feel like very um grateful to Chris Grayton, um, who started the Ottoman History podcast, um, because he kind of connected me, took me into the Hazina fold, and kind of connected me with uh Nir Shafir and Chris Markovitz, who had started Hazina. Um, I think. I think you kind of had the idea like, oh, they could use more people, and um, I think one of the challenges with digital projects is like maintain maintaining it while mm-hmm. um, while you're taking on your full-time job, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think they kind of were like, oh, let's bring another person on. So I got um, I got involved that way, and then I think they sort of had to step back a little bit in terms of like. Um, being professors, starting their careers, and um, and then I also invited, um, at some point, uh, Nadira Mansour to join, so um, that's been really awesome, uh, we kind of kept the original focus, but also have tried to make it more of a kind of creative publishing platform, um, but still focused on, like, what are Middle East resources that are maybe less known about, or how can we kind of facilitate research and also teaching. And also um, something we've both been very interested in is kind of um, having space for like librarians and archivists to contribute um, like their work and their knowledge on collection. Um, well, it's been really fun. Um, I think, how can people use it? I mean, please follow us, follow our blog, <laughs> uh, follow our, our social media, um, Nadir, in particular has been really active on our Twitter account. Um, and I mean, we're definitely open to like pitches on ideas. So, I mean, if you have something that you kind of want to publish um, and you're like not sure where to put it or just like want to share knowledge with the research community, like please contact us. Um, like there was like a kind of, you know, cool Twitter thread about from Rich Heffron about like, how he was like learning german and i just kind of reached out and was like hey do you want to like put this twitter thread together as an article and that, <laughs> I, don't I don't know i think there's a lot of um we're really open to different suggestions
0: in in light of that both with the hazane blog but also as you're in your role as a sort of middle east studies librarian, like what are some of the, the tools that you would sort of suggest to people that now suddenly so many people are teaching online and maybe people are going to be leaning more on digital resources to give their students access to material beyond just sort of general research material as, you know, as a sort of research faculty or PhD student. So what are some of the types of your, maybe your favorite <laughs> tools uh, that, you know, that can be sort of resources for uh, people teaching the Middle East?
2: Yeah, well, I think at one point I wanted to bring up too is that I think like digital scholarship and digital humanities projects are often like not very well. They're sort of not seen as like something that will help people get tenure. They're often kind of seen as side projects um, or like extracurricular activities. And like I think um, I'm kind of hoping that this will change because I think now we're at the point where it's like, oh wait, like these are vital resources that are really gonna add to our teaching. And um, so I mean, I think I think we should be very grateful at this point for the projects that are out there, um, the 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 blogs, the podcasts, the the archives that um, are out there. So. Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, I think also, I know you all are already, we're all on Twitter, but I mean, I think that can be a great way to connect with people and resources. Um, Like, even if you are at an institution that like doesn't have a Middle East Studies librarian or like a librarian for your specialty, I think something too you can be aware of is that most librarians have like put together a guide for resources um, on, on their field, so like pointing out some of the more helpful resources. And some of them might be institution-specific or like subscription-based. But um, A, you should find out what your institution has a subscription to um, or is purchased. But also a lot of them are open access. So for example, I happen to know that the librarian, Evan Croft, at University of Michigan has put together an excellent guide on Islamic manuscripts um everything on learning about manuscripts and online collections so i just i often refer to that so um i think like checking out those kinds of guides too can also be very valuable at this time
1: so this is like this is really great i think what you're saying heather because um i feel that up until this point a lot of us have been told and for good i mean for good and like honest reasons that you know Digital humanities, as you've mentioned, is something that is like trendy and sexy, but like ultimately won't help you get tenure. Or ultimately, is something that is sort of in addition to what you're doing. And I think what you're doing and what you're what you're saying is like we really need to take this a lot more seriously, and we need to look at scholars uh, and, pr- and practitioners uh, like yourself in the field who, um, where digital humanities is a central component of what we do. Um, and so I think it's really interesting that you even mentioned, like, Twitter. I think for, like, a long time, people thought it was such a, like, time suck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually where I have met a lot of people, and I've learned about a lot of resources. And, um, you know, even in terms of thinking about the archive, like, I've gotten a lot of great recommendations on what's what's digitized, you know? And right now, where a lot of us can't travel, Um mm-hmm you know for the foreseeable future like this is invaluable it is just central so um so i think yeah. everything that you're saying is really helpful
2: yeah and i think i think too it's like it's also making us feel connected with our communities in this
1: in these socially distanced times <laughs> <laughs> so kind of building off of you know these resources that you've been mentioning and um, these experiences that you've had here um with our with our podcast we're kind of trying to think about different ways that graduate students in Middle East Studies can think about career options Mm -hmm. Um, and so we don't just want to focus on the academic track we want to look at other opportunities careers down the road and so Mm -hmm. what would you say based off of like your experience like what kind of um, skills should we be like developing refining if we do potentially want to go into uh you know library science or something in public history in relationship to um in relationship to middle east studies Mm -hmm. um well um so
2: i think i guess i think you know i you see these articles that are like oh like People with PhDs who can't get professor jobs should mm. look at museums or, like, look at libraries. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I think that you know, people with PhDs have a, can contribute a lot to these fields, and like, should definitely consider those options. Um, I guess I think one thing I do, I think I should point out is like, those jobs are finite too, and um, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't know, I'm. I'm sure we are all very anxious about what the landscape of cult- like academia and cultural institutions is going to look like um, after this um, this pandemic. Um, but I think you know the skills of like teaching and research, um, and also like engagement with public through programming. Those are all things that like can I think transfer from I, like. From PhD work to to libraries, um, to archives, um, but so I, I think like I don't know I'm pe- a lot of people in my field have PhDs, um, and I'm sure that people have come to librarianship through different um, different routes, different paths. Um, But I mean, I think like, for example, I know I've worked with some PhD students like in the library here, including you, Amy, with like cataloging and stuff. So I think think there's like ways to kind of get a little bit of work experience in libraries and archives like while you're a PhD student, if that's something that you're interested in. Um, Mela offers like mentorships, um, which I know some people have, I'm sorry, Mela is the Middle East Librarians Association. Oh yeah.
0: Um, Did not
2: know, so. Yeah. So um, and we meet like right before Mesa usually. And so like I think kind of checking out these kinds of conferences too, and like maybe, maybe like there's some people present at those on like their work on manuscripts or archives. So I think that there's different ways to kind of engage with have there be engagement between like the librarian community and like mesa that could also be productive um so i'm i'm not sure um i mean i think i think i definitely want to encourage people to like think about librarianship but also i feel like when people are like oh i can just like i can always be a librarian like no (laughs) you need to like you need to like understand the field
0: yeah Get um, it, get it, 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 and
2: not see it as like a plan b <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah um <laughs> i will completely stand behind you on that because i see all the work you do and um i think it's a little presumptuous sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these in these academic tracks to be like oh you know i can always work in a museum and like i i've done work in museums before before i went back to school and i know right this entire Degree programs. There's entire protocols. There's you. There's years and years of training for best practices in the field. It's a, it's a field in its own right. You know. Yeah. So I think respecting that, as well as potentially being like, maybe I'm thinking about shifting in this direction, or, you know, I think that those are honest questions. But it's also like, I think it is incumbent upon graduate students to not see that as like a backup plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that it's important to you know, maybe just like if you want to consider as an option later, like for your career going forward, it's like if you are a first year PhD student or a master's student, like sort of just being aware of the different options, the different sort of types of mentorships that you were mentioning, being aware of the types of programs or certifications you could apply for and try to get experience in. So it's not just oh, I, you know, finished uh, six, seven years on the doing a PhD, nothing to do with learning anything about library science. And, oh, I can just like parachute into a library job like that's, you know, obviously like fanciful thinking. And so there's the important thing, like one of the reasons why uh, why I wanted to put this general podcast together is that I felt that I got far enough along in my PhD and then got to the job market and was like, hey you sort of learn things about academia through like a whisper circle. Like no one ever tells you directly about things or you learn Mm -hmm. about them. Like, I feel like I'm always learning things like three years after I should have learned them. Like, oh, you should have applied to this at this point. And so I think it's important to have these types of conversations. So, you know, maybe someone that already has a PhD and is far along, you know, can't it would be much more difficult for them to transition into a library science job but if someone's like a first year PhD student they think well maybe there's some sort of dual accreditation or some types of programs I could look mm-hmm. into because they're you know you just need the information to be aware about what opportunities exist and what type of experiences you should be trying to garner uh, for yourself.
2: Yeah um, absolutely um, and like when I was doing my, um, my library degree I was you know I was with a combination of people who had been out of school for a while. Pe- some people were ABD um, and doing library degrees. So it's um, absolutely. Um, and I kind of, I liked that a lot, actually. It was mm-hmm. very like people with different kind of um, experiences in education and work just kind of all together. Um, so, and, and i personally, like I get really excited when people approach me and are like, Oh, I'm interested. I'm like interested in, librarianship I'm like gonna apply to this job and I have um, I've definitely kind of tried to coach people on um, like their interviews and stuff so like I think like librarians like we like helping about research and we also like kind of like helping people get into our fields um, so I would say like if you're like work with a librarian on your research like kind of don't be shy about asking about those kinds of things. Um, and I, yeah, I agree 100%. I feel like when I started grad school, I just did not even know what I was about. So, <laughs> good work on for you guys both.
1: Um, well, I also want to just shout out Middle East librarians have saved my life. <laughs> well, yeah. I was, you know, I mean, Tyler, when you and I were at Yale, I spent you know, a lot of time with um, Robin. She's amazing. Mm-hmm um you know a great resource and then i came here and i was like there's heather and so they've they've both really i think helped a lot in terms of easing my anxieties about sources and where to find things and graduate students should make more use of like all of their incredible knowledge Mm -hmm. Uh, thanks amy
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering, this might be more like an obvious uh, answer to this or not, but I, I was wondering sort of, because the, there's people that are, <laughs> this, is, this is more evidence of how much I do not know. And so, uh, so there's people that are, you know, Middle East librarian, and then there's archivists. And so is there like a different track for if someone, you know, becomes an archivist, say, at say, you know, someone that maybe is archivist for like a, you know, YMCA records or missionary records in the Middle East and the U.S. So is there like a different sort of training that archivists have versus sort of a librarian or is it just completely like sort of just a different sort of tool in the same type of job umbrella?
2: Um, (laughs) Well, I'm just curious. People (laughs) feel very strongly about um, the differences (laughs) um, in what they're doing. (laughs) Uh, I try... I don't know, I really want to kind of like, see us more as like together, but I, I don't know, I kind of understand, like, why some people feel very strongly about, I don't know. Okay, their... so, I, so I've stepped into like
0: a minefield in the field. Yeah, yeah,
2: pretty much, no, but um, I think what's really different about archiving is like, yeah, working with unique documents. Um, so, and like, I guess the processing of those documents can be, um, very different in terms of like, you know, if I'm cataloging a book and I'm making a very detailed record of this one book, or as if I'm like working with a whole collection, it's more like of papers. Um, it's kind of like what, how do we. Um, make this legible for researchers when it's all, it can be a really big collection, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there's different levels of processing. So some a finding aid might be very detailed, and, or it might be just kind of like, this box has this in it, uh, like vaguely. Um, and um, when I was working with an archivist, I think that was one thing I really liked was like, I'm working with these very unique collections, Um, and like that was just kind of exciting to also like be in the reading room. And it's like, oh, people are like doing research. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I. But I think where I kind of see the connection with like art, like area studies librarianship is like you know we're buying printed books or or rare books or sometimes or there's like. Also, a lot of us are kind of engaged with special research collections. But not every library is buying Turkish books or Persian books or Arabic books. So I think there's a little more of a sense of like, oh, these are distinctive collections.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, And I I don't know. There's always there's something like very like, I feel like archives are very like intellectually captivating in a way that like libraries are not. So it's kind of like why social scientists are like, Writing sexy things about archives, <laughs> uh, but um, I guess I wasn't really planning to be an archivist because, like, I didn't really see like that many Middle East jobs. Um, that way, I took a class more because I was like, I'm going to be a research librarian. I should know how archives work, and, mm-hmm. like, and, this and that. Um, and I loved the class. It was really cool. Um, there's a lot of cool scholarship um, on libraries and archives but um I think when I saw the post for Hoover Archives I just thought it sounded like a really unique interesting job so I was processing the papers of an Iranian diplomat and um, you know I was not that I was not that like experienced in terms of archives but I think they were just like oh like a library archivist who has Persian language skills great so that's kind of how I got the job <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I think we're uh, getting close to time, but I wanted to thank you, Heather, so much for your time in these trying times. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's it's nice to nice to talk with you both, and we'll definitely post um, links to Hazina um, and the resources there, so that if anyone listening is interested in getting involved um, and connecting with you, they'll be able to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Great.
0: Yeah, this was this was great and ex- very informative. And I think um, hopefully people listening to this, this can get like a good idea of sort of what I think, you know, when you're starting off in sort of you want to do something with the Middle East and you don't know what it is, like it's just about knowing what questions to ask, I think is so, so important. And hopefully this... This conversation everything we learn from you can help help people start asking those questions and just learn what's out there and then and then also for people that are you know that are teaching right now in a sort of a changing environment learning what how much like the incredible amount of stuff that has archives and collections that have been digitized and put online and resources for going through those is something that i think is ever more important especially to try to connect uh not just for research but also connecting to students when teaching so thank you very much for for uh, for sitting down with us all in our sort of extreme social distancing on the internet <laughs> right now. So <laughs>